I guess this little hullabaloo of mine hasn't garnered any mention, mainly because I've been ashamed of it for years. And while I may have started it, she most certainly finished it. So in a nutshell, I fought a midget. <laughs> please, ladies and gentlemen, will you please compose yourselves? It's hard enough to talk about. Sadly, midget fights aren't entirely uncommon in my circle. A dear friend of mine once beat a midget mercilessly for groping his girlfriend indecently. Tactless, no doubt, but the little fucker had it coming. Anyway, regarding my midget, whoops! Actually, that's how I got into this whole mess to begin with. In some shit-hick dive bar in St. Albert, Alberta, 2009, I was soused, hammered, drunk, tying one off. And the pussies that had accompanied me that evening seemed to be distancing themselves. Slumped on the bar rail and desperately awaiting the next one, in walks this midget. Hey man, I'd clued the guy next to me in on. There's a midget. I don't know you, man, the stranger said and slunk off into the darkness. Again, I was quite drunk. The back of the midget head began to twist round in my direction. I could see its face, rosé cheeks, beady little eyes, and a scowl that was fixing to spit. Fuck you, dirty nair. That's just what you are. Now, I knew that heat rose, but I didn't know that sound fell. For how the heck did she hear my coyly whispered remark? She being the midget, a female. This adding an extra sprig of horror to my situation, if you can imagine. Sorry, uh, miss, I conceded and turned away, kind of like inhaling a fart then moving quick to be done with it. She was dogged, this creature, for she slipped betwixt my legs to greet me on the other side. You're just a dirty little that's just what you are. Her bulbous head bellowed, waving her damning sausage finger in my direction. Dude, dude, I'm sorry, dude. I don't know what got into her, her cuckolded BFF was saying to me. A crowd was forming in my bewildered fascination. Lynchings were commonplace, but never like this. Where's Gary Coleman when you need him? I kidded to myself. <laughs> Desperate to salvage my manhood, I let loose a feeble defense. Get this bitch under control! I ordered the cuckold. Chill this bitch out! I felt like Samuel L. Jackson in Pulp Fiction. I'm gonna electrocute every last one of you motherfuckers! I said chill that bitch out! Be cool! While in mediations with the cuck, I noticed something bounding towards me from the corner of my eye. Kinda like when you're playing take with a toddler and you're half paying attention. Twas the midget! She was coming at me at a full tilt. Her teeny legs were swift and sure. To laugh at life's anomalies is one thing, but to fist fight with them is another tragic thing entirely its own. I backed up in defense, only to be met by the sticky butt of the bar. The little one leaped at me with outstretched arm, dinging my chin. I stumbled back, entirely from shock. Did that just fucking happen? She then hawked and spit at me, <laughs> exclaimed, then scampered off. Wow, she really was a small person. A little excessive, I thought. She was lucky I didn't stuff her into a cannon and shoot her over a juggling clown on a circus elephant, the little bitch. But ignorance feeds ignorance. I made an ugly comment about her and she made an ugly comment about me. And to be honest, the nigger thing didn't really bother me. I was just disheartened 
that my opportunity to fuck a midget resulted in getting fucked up by a midget. Santa fat ass. I know you're big dumb fat fucking pedophile the stupid red hat. Oh yeah, uh-huh. So hurry down the chimney tonight. Santa moron. I know you're fucking macaroni eating fat fucking idiot who's got a stupid wife and you molest elves. Oh yeah, uh-huh. So hurry up my asshole tonight. It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramtram reporting live for duty on December 25th. 2017. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. I want that to be my jam, you know, like one day when I have like a wife and kid or, you know, I'm more active in a family unit because right now I'm not. I'm just, uh, it's just me, myself, and I. But I got my sobriety family, I got them, and I got issues. Sorry, um, well, yeah, I got that too. <laughs> I got issues, yeah, I do. But um, I, I got options, is what I meant to say, you know? So right now I'm at home, I'm doing my recording, I worked out, listened to some podcasts, ate an oatmeal cookie, ate a hard-boiled egg, drank some coffee, drank some tea. And I got options. I can go see people and stuff like that, go to different sobriety meetings. And, you know, last night, Christmas Eve, rather Christmas Eve day, if that makes any sense, I went to a sobriety gratitude meeting. So everybody got up and talked about what they were grateful for this time of year, which was really nice and it was a blessing. But um, what I'm trying to say is, um, yeah. Like, that's what I want my jam to be when I have, like, an actual family. Like, um, you know, a wife, maybe a kid. I want to be like that guy who sits around and it's like, Happy Holidays. Happy Holidays. Happy Holidays. Happy Holidays. I think I heard, like, an Elvis version of that in, like, Shopper's Drug Mart. I was, like, shopping for some shit. I was standing on a lineup trying to send a... I was at the, actually, I was at the post office. What a fuck, oh, yeah. What a fucking shitload of bad luck. So, like, for some reason or other, I had to go to the post office, like, five times this month, December. Never do I need to go to the fucking post office. When do I need to go to the post office? One week before Christmas. So I'm standing in a lineup behind all sorts of dipshits, like, sending out fucking little Christmas cards and carols and shit. And I'm standing there, but like I had a good time because I heard like this Elvis version of that song. He's like, oh, happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Does anybody have any Vicodin? Or whatever the fuck he was on, you know? But yeah, man, I'm having a blessed Christmas. Um, like I said, I worked out, ate some oatmeal cookies, drank some coffee, straight thugging. And uh, yeah, man. Singing a couple tunes, as you could tell. I'm a crooner. I like to croon. And, uh, yeah, I'm just feeling good and grateful, you know. 2017 was a wicked year. 
you know? I kicked its ass, man. I beat the shit out of 2017. Worked out like a motherfucker, stayed sober, ate well, lived life, read books, macked on bitches, you know? Oh, yeah. So, you know, a lot of gratitude, a lot of gratitude for 2017. And going forward 2018, just going to keep keeping it real, you know? That's all I can do. This is your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? So, um, what am I doing today? Yeah, I'm doing this recording. <laughs> Duh. Like, you know, I'm, I'm always never, I'm never really thinking about what I'm doing while I'm doing it. I got that problem for sure. I'm trying to live more in the moment, but, you know, fuck all that. I don't want to get too much down into some metaphysical fucking discussion, you know? Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy pussy day. I'm sipping on a fucking, um, what they call a, um, a summer assortment uh, herbal tea. Generally speaking, at this time of year, I'd be hammered, right? I'd be fucking off my fucking rocker, just trash, chain-smoking some cigarettes, you know? Wandering around my apartment hallway, knocking on people's doors. Happy holidays! Happy holidays! From your neighbor, Jonathan! <laughs> you know, just fucking hammered. But, uh, no, not today. Sipping a fucking herbal tea and uh, sweetly crooning to you. And uh, just grateful. I want to extend that to all listeners, to all people, to all creeds. You know, I went to Tim Hortons this morning to get, like I said, a coffee and an oatmeal cookie. And there is this uh, Hindu dude working the till, right? Uh, can I help the next customer, sir? Sir? Can I help you over here, sir? Sir? I was like, oh, hey, what's up, buddy? Can I get a uh, large black coffee and an oatmeal cookie? That'll be $3.02, sir. Thank you very much, sir. I go, uh, happy holidays, my friend. And he goes, thank you very much, sir. And he gives me the thumbs up. And I was actually jealous of him. You know, because like I'm a fucking, I'm a fucking blue collar man. I'm a working motherfucker for every goddamn dollar I earn. Believe me, there's blood, sweat, and tears behind that, baby. I ain't no price fixing, bread pinching piece of shit, Lob Laws Canada. Fuck you. Fuck you, Lob Laws Canada. You've been pilfering money from the motherfuckers who eat bread in this country for fucking 15 years. Suck my dick and die, Lob Laws. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I'll get to Lob Laws in a minute. Like Lob Laws Canada, the biggest grocery chain in Canada has been pilfering and price fixing the bread uh, industry for the last 15 years, incrementally raising the prices of bread, stealing dollars and cents from the fucking Canadians who need to go to work and make a goddamn living and eat bread in this country. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. But anyways, my Hindu friend over there at Tim Hortons goes, thank you, sir, very much, good sir. Gives me the thumbs up and, uh, you know, I'm thinking, wow, man, he's making time and a half and holiday pay today. So God bless the Hindu nation. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Hare. Dear Prudence. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, <laughs> as I go on my little tirade there, yeah, my point just being, you know, the holidays is a good time for me. I'm a different man and I'm enjoying things differently as a sober man. And, um, a lot of gratitude. Still a lot of fucking verbose fucking blathering, as you can see there, freaking out about law applause. Um, why not? Let's talk about that for a second. Yeah, I've been reading in the paper. Kind of shit news, you know? Like, um, my whole point was, like, uh, that's what an economy is. It's just made up, you know? And these aren't words that I... These aren't thoughts and ideas that I came up with personally. 
I heard this once. I heard like David Suzuki say this. He goes, you know, there is no such thing as an economy. It's just a made-up um, institution, function, whatever you want to call it. It all goes back to the bartering system, I guess. That makes sense. You know, if you want something, you got to trade to get what you want, right? Like, hey, I have a fucking pint of blueberries. I'll trade you that for a blowjob or whatever, you know? And that's how the real economy works, right? But then, you know... Bureaucracy and all sorts of bullshit gets involved, and then it becomes something else where people are like, you know, price fixing the cost of bread. You know what I mean? Just little dirty ways of making money. I remember one time I was at a party, I was hammered, and uh, I was just being a rude, ignorant fuck. And this girl, she's like, I just got my degree in fucking economics and blah, 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 blah. She's going off about economics. I'm like, baby, there ain't no such thing as a fucking economy. You know that. She goes, what? I said, listen here, baby girl, there ain't no such thing as an economy. It's just a man-made fixture. It's a fucking fake facade. It's a mirror, smoking mirror, baby. And she goes, uh, you're a fucking idiot. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, that's what's going on with Loblaws Canada. Uh, apparently, too, um, there's a, uh, what do they call it? It's in the paper here that I'm reading here. Hold on a sec. It's, um, they call it something. It's like, there's so many little fucking bureaucratic little, um, what do you call that, filibustering bullshit fucking deals, you know, um, just blue, or sorry, white collar crime, um, uh, white collar crime has so many different little fucking um, addendums and fucking bureaucracy and bullshit that they get away with. Where it's like they have this little scheme here. So that yeah, these guys have been price fixing and scheming uh, in the bread industry, and then they come up with this little thing where it's like, um, and as with all illegal enterprises, it only really comes to light when a regulator gets a tip and launches an investigation, or one of the competitors comes forward to the regulators as an amnesty applicant. The first one to confess gets the best deal. So like whenever like um, there's price fixing amongst um, you know, competitors, the first one who squeals on their competitor gets the best deal, gets immunity. So that's why Loblaws came forward. They don't give a fuck. They want immunity, right? Goddamn rats, man. Fucking Henry Hill of fucking the bread industry, you know? And um, these bitches, like... That what they're trying to do now is they want to hand out fucking um, $25 gift certificates, $25 gift card. And it's like, if you can prove, <laughs> the requirement is you have to have like a receipt saying you purchased a certain type of bread before 2015, March of 2015. Like, what the fuck? You know, who has those records? I remember in the year 2015, I was making toast. So then I went to the fucking, lo like, it's retarded. Ugh. And um, the only point being, it just makes me feel sad. It's not like this... Well, it's not like this... It's just an affirmation of what I already know to be true, that there's just so much bullshit in the world, and a lot of it's just a lie. I hate to break it to you on Christmas. Happy holidays. 
Happy holidays. Our prime minister was on vacation in the Bahamas last year with the spiritual advisor, the Aga Khan. He cost the fucking taxpayers $30,000 for his little joy ride. And he had the goddamn nerve to say it wasn't a conflict of interest. And he didn't do it for his own fucking personal benefit. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Skippity-rinkity. Skinnamarinky-doo. Yeah, and, uh, you know, this is just the reality of, um life I guess and I'm not trying to like open anybody's eyes or shed any light I'm just you know talking about some things that are in the news and I try not to focus on them you know life's bigger than that that's the main thing that people I need to realize I got to remember life is bigger than that life's bigger than all those petty little squabbles man you can keep your goddamn fucking dollars and cents in your fucking bread loaves you can stay on that fucking island Mr. fucking Prime Minister Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, stay on that fucking island. Who gives a fuck? Move away. Move away there. Live there for the rest of your life. I don't care. I want to be a happy human being. And uh, I've been given that gift through sobriety, you know what I mean? Happy fucking holidays. That's what I've been getting, man. Closer and closer to the relief that I've always sought in life, right? And, um, you know... That's really all I want to say about that. One thing that I'm very uh, excited about in my uh, in the new year is to be, you know, making more, uh, working harder and working harder on my performing. Every year, it's good to check in, see where you're at with whatever you're doing, right? So yeah, got some plans and goals. Um, I've been uh, thinking of taking some acting classes. Um, I already have a diploma in theater arts, but um, it never hurts to brush up, you know? I don't want to spend the rest of my life on a fucking casting couch. And, uh, you know, uh, I've been reading up on some books on theory and different types of um, acting methods. I'm reading one now called um, Sanford Meisner on acting. Sanford Meisner, a great acting coach, teacher, thespian extraordinaire and um yeah he's a really cool guy he uh he started the group theater in uh i believe new york city um was uh was a uh, peer a colleague of all those great uh, actors and acting coaches stella adler lee strasberg he incorporated a lot of the stanislavski method of acting which can generally be uh, summarized as like the method acting, a lot of which is based in like um, emotional recall, emotional memory. And uh, his stance on that is a little different. He thinks that um, the imagination of the actor is um, greater than any emotion you can recall. The thing about emotion is it's not as vast as your imagination and also your memory changes. Right, so whatever might have an emotional uh, meaning to you might change over time. You know, whatever memory you have, which has an emotional memory. What I'm talking, whatever memory you have, which has an emotional memory, might change over time. Got it? Fuck. What am I, your father? I don't have to tell you anything. But um, yeah, it's really interesting stuff, and. Um, you know, a lot of the great actors, uh, you know, the Paul Newmans, the fucking, 
the fucking, I don't know, Pee Wee Hermans out there, whatever, they, they have a lot of these, um, they have a lot of rev reverence, revering, respect for this dude, Sanford Meisner. And, um, you know, uh, but he's an oddball. He's an oddball. Like, you know, um, you could check out, you could probably catch clips of him on YouTube and shit, but check this out. I'm reading his book and there's in the, in the, in the introduction, they just talk about his life a little bit, right? And, um, you know, they, they preface it with all the, all his, you know, growing up in New York, going to what was used to be, what began as Juilliard. He studied there as a pianist. Then he went on to form theater groups and yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. And, um, and it picks it up here. Check this out. This is from the book. Uh, this is fucking hilarious. Sanford Meisner on acting. Today... More than 60 years later, advanced age and accidents have produced an awesome physical disabilities in Meisner. He wears thick glasses as a result of multiple operations for cataracts and detached retinas on both eyes. Even more devastating have been the two operations he sustained for cancer of the larynx. The first more than 10 years ago, which left him literally without a voice. With great difficulty, he subsequently learned to speak again by inhaling air into his esophagus and releasing it into controlled burps. His esophical speech may be disturbing to those who hear it for the first time, though the listener quickly adapts to it. It is strangely disembodied wheeze, broken by an explosive consonant sound and a glottal stops, sometimes fists of coughing. When Meisner teaches now, this voice is amplified by a microphone attached to the left temple of his glasses and connected to a small transmitter which sends it to a loudspeaker across the room from his desk, thereby emphasizing its eerie disembodied quality. As it, these blows had not been enough, three years ago, an out-of-control delivery truck struck him while he was crossing the street, smashing his left femur and hip in twelve places. After surgical reconstruction, he walks stiffly with the help of a cane. <laughs> He's like, ah, my name's Edward Meister. Ah, ah, you fucking idiot. You call that acting. I want truth, damn it, truth. What's my motivation? Hey, get over here, kid. You want to suck my cock? Yeah, you want to be famous or what? Ah, ah. <laughs> he talks like a fucking, like, I don't know, swamp thing. But, you know, the man had some goddamn insights into acting, and, uh, yeah, I could use, uh, I could use some insight, I could use some development, you know, and, uh, I'm reading this little book about him, and it's very fascinating stuff. It's kind of like trade stuff, and that's really what's cool about it. Uh, the tools that he has are, for an actor, very, um, uh, practical. Not a lot of hoity-toity air about it. You know, it's just the fucking meat and potatoes, even though I'm a fucking pescatarian. It's the uh, it's the sustenance of acting. It's just the fucking uh, the foundations. And he talks about that shit, too. You know, if you were going to build a building, ah, first thing you would have to do ah, is dig a fucking hole. Ah, that's a fucking foundation. Ah, any questions from the audience? Ah. Yeah, man, what the fuck happened to your throat, you fucking queer tard? Hey, get the fuck out of here. Uh, uh, how do you take this shit? Uh, uh, I knew Elvis. I used to know Elvis Presley, you son of a bitch. Uh. Anyway. Um, yeah, so I'm trying to reconnect with that. Uh, learn some acting chops. Take some classes. And um, 
try the Sanford method, the Sanford Meisner method. Um, you know, it's some exercises are like repetition exercises. It's all about cutting through to your emotional core, your inner life, the magic if, a shit like that. And um, it's really interesting for me as an actor because um, these are hard things to, uh, I mean, if you enjoy a well-acted performance in a television show or a movie or a play, then these are some of the tools that actors use to get to that place of authenticity that makes, you know, for compelling performances. And it's a fucking journey, and it's a fucking thing you got to work throughout your whole life as an actor, you know? I mean, it's hard to walk that balance of truth and honesty, performance, you know, explosiveness, containment, you know, versatility, um, dynamicism. Is that a word? Dynamicism? It's a... you know, it's challenging stuff, and um, I don't know. I, I'm up to the task to continue my education on that, so that's going to be fun in the new year. I'm also studying a little bit more about William Shakespeare. I have a tome of William Shakespeare right here. The Completed Works of William Shakespeare. You guys want to hear a biography about William Shakespeare? Shake and Shakespeare? Okay, let me see here. There's a little biography on William Shakespeare to put you in the mood. If you want to know about William Shakespeare, you start at the very beginning. See, in 1942, uh, Shakespeare was a street peddler. He used to make fucking cotton candy and turn a crank with a jumping monkey. And, uh, you know, he used to... Uh, let me see here. It would be nice for me to read, too, a little bit about what... Oh, okay, here we go. William Shakespeare, a biography by Germaine Greer. <coughs> There can be no doubt that there was once a man named William Shakespeare that wrote a number of extraordinary plays. We know from a historical attack on him in Greenwich, God, ah, fuck, who gives a shit? Anyways, he wrote a bunch of fucking plays. Um, he was a Frenchman. He, uh, you know, had a lot of depth and human condition in his plays, right? And that's really what I want to get back to. Um, not back to, but we, we studied Shakespeare a lot in theater school, and, um, you know, that's what's so timeless about his plays, the human condition, right? Like, just the jealousy, the yearning, the back and forth about love, right? It's like Romeo and Juliet. Jealousy in love, you know, Othello. Of course, the black man goes crazy, or as we call it, the modern-day O.J., I don't know, it's pretty hacky. Somebody probably made that joke like fucking in 1690 or whatever. But um, then you got fucking, you know, greed and ambition, Macbeth. Uh, then you got fucking uh, whimsical fancy. What is that? As you like it? A bunch of pixies dancing around in the forest. Anyway, what I wanted to do was, uh, as a little exercise, is to, um, you know... Start reading more up on uh, Shakespeare and uh, different playwrights and stuff, and just kind of get back into that world of theater. I used to um, be—it used to be the world to me, man. I used to love doing that shit, like um, theater school in high school, and then going to theater school in college, and you know, it's a lot of interesting stuff.
I hope I'm not boring you too much about that acting shit. In case you guys aren't actors or don't give a fuck, you just want to see something cool. You know, show me some explosions. Give me more fucking... More voltage. I don't know. But hey, you know what? It's your old chuckle buddy, guess who? Jonathan James Ramtram reporting live for duty on this December 25th, 2017. I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas. I want to wish you a safe and prosperous New Year. And, um, you know, that's all. Stay tuned, and I'll see you in the New Year. Good night! Thank <laughs> you.